The thing that I get asked a lot before I speak is, hey, Nathan, do you get nervous? And the, and the answer to that question is no, I, I really don't anymore. I don't because I can sit here and I can plan and I can plan, but then I, I know this. I know that there are going to be a lot of people that agree with what I'm saying, and there are going to be people that just don't agree with what I'm saying, and I'm okay with that now. Uh, but for some reason, I don't know what it is, but when my wife is in the room and I'm speaking, I get nervous. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what it is, but it's like I, I really just want her to be happy after I'm done. <laughs> you know, like I, I want her to look at me and be like, good job. Not, ooh, <laughs> could have done better, Nate. And I'm like, thanks so much. Uh, but I do, I do get nervous. And no matter how much I plan, uh, I, always, I always want to, to plan more and I want to plan better. And that's because subjects like this, I, I'll be honest with you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand out here and be as vulnerable as possible. I am not qualified. I am broken. I, I need Jesus completely to just fill me up and, and to use his word to speak to you all. So I'm not, I'm not there. I'm not qualified. I don't have the eyes of Jesus in terms of this. And so what I do and what I've done to plan is I've prayed a lot and I've said, God, just please let it be you and not me. So before we start, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Father God, I'm so thankful to be in this place, to be in a, in a church that's willing to take on some really tough questions. But God, I also ask <laughs> that you take this delicate subject and you make it not about me or what, what I have, but it's about what you have for others. God, I'm not qualified, but you are, and your word is always enough. My word is never enough. So God, please open everyone's hearts to hear what you have and I pray that in your name. Amen. Uh, I'm going to read this list of statistics to you all. Divorces are at 2,400 per day right now. Natural disasters kill between uh, at 90,000 people per year on average, but also affect 160 million per year. 1.3 million die per year in car crashes and 20 to 50 million are injured. On average, we look at about 3,600 to 700 deaths due to firearms, and most recently, 54 deaths and 500 injured in Las Vegas. 121 people commit suicide per day. Three million die per year from diseases that are actually preventable and have vaccines for. One, uh, one of the questions I get from college students that either doubt God or I don't have faith in God is, if God is so good, why does he allow suffering to happen? If God is so good, why do bad things happen to good people? I get that question all the time, and I see why I'd get that question, because a lot's going on in this world that would allow us to have that doubt. A lot of things are going on that really want us to question God's power and God's sovereignty. So before we really get into this, I want to open up with this verse. John chapter 16, verse 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered this world. Two things we're going to get into a little bit later is the aspect of peace and courage. We're going we're gonna to jump into that in a little while, 
but just hold on. But he says at the very beginning, you will have suffering in this world. He didn't leave it to doubt for us that, well, we might have suffering. No, he says you, you will have suffering in this world. The next verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, says, Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then when we will see everything with perfect clarity, all that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Again, I'm coming at you and saying, I don't know things completely. I'm looking at things as like a puzzle, and not just a puzzle, but trying to complete a puzzle in a mirror. And I like to take it a step further, but like I'm blindfolded trying to complete a puzzle because I, I, just, I just don't know where all the pieces connect. I don't, I don't understand how they all fit together. And so today, we want to try really hard to understand the peace and the courage that God can give us. Weston wanted to give me five points to talk about. And it's funny, when Weston gave me these five points, he gave me these five points and said, hey, anywhere between 25 and 30 minutes, you need to talk about these five points. I laughed on the phone because uh, these points are not 30-minute worthy. Maybe one point is 30-minute worthy, but not all five of these points. So I'm going to try really hard. And so some of these things I'm going to go through kind of quickly. So just bear with me. But the first one, first point is God is not the creator of evil. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, it says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. At the very beginning of creation, we see God creating the heavens and the earth, right? We see God taking the sky, making day and night. We see God taking land, making water, making sea. We see God bringing livestock. We see, we see God bringing fish into the water. We see God doing these miraculous things. He made man and woman. And after he made it, he said it was very good. But the thing that we have to look a little bit farther towards is what he also had to create for it to still be good. Free will. He had to create in us an ability to choose to love him or to not to love him. He had to create that. If he didn't, then that genuine love that we have for one another and that we have for God, it wouldn't be so genuine. <laughs> it would be fake. So he created this and said, I'm going to give you free will. And that's one thing that I love the most about God is that he gave me that choice and he gave you all that choice. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23 says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So he gave us that free will. But right off the bat, we know we've all have sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God, period. We're all in here. As I came to you all and said, I am broken. I'm, all, I'm in need of a Savior. We all in here are, meaning this. We are part of the reason evil exists, period. When I... Uh, when I lived in Lexington, I had the opportunity to help a few friends of ours start a, like a homeless 
uh, mission type thing. I don't know what it's called really, but we, we went out and we started uh, building some relationships with some homeless guys in Lexington. We decided we were going to start doing two things from the Dar menu at McDonald's, and they got to pick whatever they wanted. We would feed them, and then we'd have a Bible study. The Bible study starts, we have about three or four people, grows 10, 15, 30, 40. 40 homeless people are starting to come to this. And at that point in my life, I was, pro- I was about a, like a freshman in college. I really didn't have 40 bucks. So, well, actually 80 bucks. I can't do math. Um, 80 bucks for, for me to spend every week on McDonald's to feed people. But God supplied. And so during this time, we got kicked out of McDonald's. <laughs> they kicked us out and tell us to go down the road a little bit. And we did, but we still bought McDonald's. And as that, as that time progressed, I'm sitting there, I'm leading this Bible study, and I'm saying, hey, I'm going to take care of you all. I'm going to try everything I can to, to bring truth into your life and, and to show you grace. I'm going to do my best of my ability to say, I'm going to get you off of your feet, and I'm going to get you back on your feet. I did everything I could, and then this one day, it hit me so hard. This one day, this guy came up to me, and he said, hey, I really like that shirt you have. I said, me too. It's my favorite can I have it? I looked at him square in the eye and I said, no, no, you can't have my shirt. It's my favorite shirt. It's, it has holes in it. It's great. It's my favorite. And, and he just looked at me and said, okay. And then went on. One of my friends came up to me and said, you know, scripturally, <laughs> I was like, oh no, you know, scripturally it says you should be able to give the shirt off your back to those in need. And I said, oh, I hate you right now. But I realized what was going on and I'm sitting there and I'm telling all of these people that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be there for you, but yet I can't give the shirt off my back when I have tons of clothes with me at that time. Literally with me. It was in my car. I had tons of clothes in my car. Um, I, pretty, I lived out of it. Uh, but we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. Why are people starving in this world? I don't know if you all know this, but uh, studies show that right now, every person in this world could have a 3,000 diet calorie, calorie diet. Each person, 3,000. But because of our own irresponsibility, because of our own self-centeredness, people are starving right now. People are going hungry right now. We have, we have the means, we have the ability, we, it's there, but still there's something inside us that says, no, that's that's my favorite shirt. <laughs> I want that. That's mine. When Jesus said, give it all. But again, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I, I, I wonder this too, and people have asked me this, hasn't God seen this coming? Doesn't, doesn't God know this is going to happen? And my answer to a lot of people is, yeah, duh. Like, yes, he sees it coming. Of course he sees it coming. But I, I'm guessing by looking around here, that we have a lot of parents in here. We have a lot of people that have, that have children or maybe even have grandkids. But before that even went on, you had to think, all right, I'm about to have kids that are going to come and grow up in a world that is hateful and evil, that they could be hurt or struggle at some point in their lives, that they could, they could honestly suffer at some point in their lives. But guess what? You decide to have them. Why do you decide to have them? because you know that the joy and the deep love that comes from having children? Same thing for God. 
He knew this was going to happen, but he knew, he knew the deep joy and love that could possibly come from the genuine love that we would show him and others. Our next point is though suffering is not good, God can use it to accomplish good. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I grew up, I was not a Christian. <laughs> I, I did not understand this whole, you know, live by faith mentality. I did not understand how to love people. I still don't truly how to know how to love people the way Jesus did. I'm learning that. I'm asking God to completely change my heart, break my heart for what breaks his. But as I grew up, I, I went through things. I had people tell me that I wasn't going to be good enough. I wasn't smart enough. I would never be a leader. I would never do this, never do that. People putting me down. I got it. They put me down. I started looking for other answers. I started looking for how is it to be a leader. <laughs> At first, the guy that I wanted to be like and the leader like was Larry Bird. I don't know if anybody knows that, but that was my idol. <laughs> uh, I wanted to be like him. Um, and then I started watching more videos, and I was like, he's a bad dude. Uh, but I started looking in so many different directions. And finally, I found this guy, Jesus. And I was like, oh, this is a leader. He knows how to lead. I want to start trying to lead like he does. And as that time went on, I expected things to go great. I expected myself when I was playing basketball to be a leader and be able to, to do a lot. Oh, and then all of a sudden, guess what? Yeah, God, he, he, made, me have, he made me tear my ACL, right? He made me. No, he didn't make, I tore my ACL. I wasn't able to play basketball. So I started asking God, all right, God, instead of, instead of sitting back and just wondering why, now I just need to say, what do you want from me? What next? So as time progressed, I, I realized I needed to do more. So I started that homeless ministry thing. During that time, uh, some, some situations went on in my family, uh, my family life. And I ended up being without a home for about five to seven-ish months. I'm not really sure on the dates. Um, and I, I got to experience that. And I got to see suffering in a different light, something that I haven't seen before. And it allowed me to just experience God's love in a different way. But even through that, even through that suffering, God was able to bring something good out of that. I'm not saying me, I'm, I'm good, but I'm saying like God was able to take me out of something bad and have me glorify him in a good way. I don't know if you all know the story of Joseph very well, but uh, Joseph in Genesis, what, he, what had happened is his brothers um, end up selling him into slavery. He didn't just get sold into slavery. He also got accused of a crime that he didn't commit. He also was unfairly imprisoned. And then about 12 years had gone by, and his role had changed. He was, in now, he was now in a role of authority. He was able to lead people and to save lives, his family and many others. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, it says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. Again, the puzzles, <laughs> the puzzle aspect, I don't, I don't know how they're supposed to fit. I don't know how they're supposed to go together, but they do. They do go together. 
Now, you may be suffering. You might be thinking the same thing I'm thinking sometimes. You might be going through something hard in your life, and you're like, well, God's not going to use what I'm going through to, to better his kingdom. Well, I'm going to go ahead and tell you this. You're wrong. He can and he will. He will. He shows it. That's, the story of Joseph is just one story. There are many stories where God used someone's trials and suffering and struggles to glorify him. The next point is the day is coming when suffering will cease and God will judge the evil. Now, for myself, <laughs> I ask this question probably more often than not, and this is again why I need more Christ's love in my life. Uh, but why doesn't God just get rid of all of the evil? Why doesn't God just push all of the evil out right now and just allow good to be here? Because God actually cares about the evil. He cares about the one that's pulling the trigger. He cares about the one that's yelling the N-word or a derogatory term towards someone else. He cares about the one that's going in the wrong direction. He cares about those as much as he cares about us. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, and some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We wonder why he doesn't push out evil. Well, maybe, maybe evil is going because he's caring for them. Maybe, maybe evil in our world would, would yet get less and less if we as a church would learn how to love people the way Jesus loved us. There are a lot of questions a lot of doubts that we may have, the thing we have to come to the realization of is that God loves the sinner. He loves us. I'm going to have to go to the couple points quick. So uh, the next point, four, our suffering will pale in comparison to what God has in store for his followers. I have no idea what it's going to be like in heaven. But the one thing I know is that whatever's going on in this world, whatever's going on right now in my life, in your life, it won't compare to what, what God has for us in heaven. It won't compare. Romans, or actually, sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17 says, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory, that outweighs them all. Now Romans chapter 8, verse 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Someone asked me this question once and, and pushed me to kind of broaden my, my mind. They said, uh, have you ever sat in a certain situation, something's gone on in your life and you're kind of questioning stuff and then you just told yourself, it can't get any worse than this. Well, the answer to that is yes. Yes, it can get worse than it is right now. It doesn't matter what situation you're in or what's going on in your life. Yes, it can get worse. But then he said, okay, have you ever been in a certain situation where you're maybe, I don't know, sitting with your family or you're sitting on the beach or whatever, and you're like, it can't get any better than this. Guess what? It will get better. 
and it can get better. This last one, which I want to spend more time on, is point five. We can decide whether to turn bitter or turn to God for peace and courage. Again, we say that we can decide whether to turn bitter or to turn to God for peace and courage. God has uh, offered us those two things, peace and courage. One, peace to face what's going on in the present, to face what's going on right now. Courage to face what's to come in the future. I love thinking about that when I think about how good God is, that he's given us peace for the present and courage for the future. That's so cool. Now, again, we could be bitter or we could show love. In October 2016, a year ago, in Pennsylvania, I know a lot of you all have heard about this, but um, a man walked into a school and, and, and shot 10 Amish children. Five of them died. He walked into school and shot them. Now, I look at that story, and I, and I say, God, why did that happen? Why did you allow something like that? And, and again, I don't know how the puzzles fit together. I don't know how the pieces, I don't know how that works, and I'm not here to answer that. I'm here for the peace and the courage. So I started looking into it more, and I realized one thing. This guy became bitter. Instead of turning to God for peace and courage, he turned to God despite him. He wanted to show him up because he had four children, and him and his wife were trying to have another child, and they had a miscarriage. That miscarriage angered him. And so what he thought for, for his child to, to die, to pass away, he decided he was going to take children away from God. But what he didn't realize was this, that he was going to cause more suffering even for his wife and his children. Because now his wife had to take care of her four children, his four children alone with no one else. On top of that, she had to go off and live with her parents for a while because she was scared of what her community would do or say to her because of his actions. This part is really cool. The morning after that shooting, a couple horses and some carriages pull up to this house where she is at, the wife of, of the man that shot up the school. They pull up. They ring the doorbell. She comes to the door. She's about to apologize for what her husband has done, and they stop her. They say, you don't, you don't know me, and I don't know you, but what I want you to know is this, that we cried ourselves to sleep last night because of something that we lost. And then I woke up this morning, and I had a wife to comfort me, And I realized you don't have anyone. And for that, we are sorry to you. For that, we want you to know that we're going to be there for you, and we want to pay for your husband's funeral. What we didn't know about this guy is this guy, actually, two of his daughters were in that shooting. One had been shot, and the other had been killed. 
and he still brought it to himself to not be bitter, but to turn to God for peace and then courage. Peace, that everything works out in his plan. Courage, to confront what had happened, to confront the future. He didn't just take care of their the husband's funeral needs, he, he went farther than that and said, I know you have four children now and I know they're going to need care and they're going to need help financially and I know you will. We want to help you with that as well. We want to be there for you in every way possible because I have people and right now you're alone. Um, the thing again, that I'm striving for in my relationship with Jesus, and I'm hoping that you all are striving for in your relationship with Christ, is this. That we're learning that suffering is a part of it. God didn't send his son Jesus to live a happy, fulfilled, glorious life. No, he, he sent his son Jesus to die and suffer for us. His own son, he sent him. He said right off the bat, again, in that last verse, John chapter 16, verse 33, you will have suffering in this world. And he gave the prime example of that by sending Jesus. One, so we could find peace in him and we can find courage in him to face the future. So again, I, I don't know what God has planned for me the rest of my life. I don't know what God is, is, is put in front of me in terms of suffering and struggles and, and temptations. I don't know. But the one thing that I do know is all the things that are going on in my life, I'm thankful. Because God is building me into a, a man that he wants me to be. My grandma, <laughs> one of the hardest struggles I've ever faced is when she passed away. Hardest thing ever. One because she was the only one that really thought I could amount to anything. Actually, when I was in middle school, she told me I was going to be in the ministry, and I laughed at her. I was like, you're a crazy old lady. Like, I'm not. I don't even know who Jesus is. Like, what are you talking about? Um, But four years ago, she passed away, and we had the opportunity to say, she said, look, you're in the ministry. I love you. I love you, Grandma. She was able to take something in the suffering that I've I've faced and turn it into joy somehow. That's because of the joy of Christ, the joy that I have in Christ. So my challenge to you all this morning is this. We are doing a series, No Room for Doubt, or A Little Room for Doubt, however it goes. Something about doubt, right? (laughs) We're doing a series, and I love it. And I love that we have questions and that we're answering tough questions, that we have doubts. But this is something that we should, or no one should doubt, is doubt in you all. Doubt in this church. Because there are people in this world, in this community that are struggling, that are hungry, that are suffering, that need to feel loved, that need to feel cared for. And the one thing they shouldn't doubt is you all. When I, when I see suffering coming in, when I see some, some horrific thing happening, I think the, the ones to follow right behind is the church. The church should be right behind, ready to love all of those that are suffering and that are in pain. Why do people have questions about the suffering? Because they don't, they don't see the love of the church coming out to them. 
They don't see the joy that we have in Christ coming for them. They don't see it. They see suffering, period. The one thing they shouldn't doubt is doubt in you all that you'll go, go above and beyond to love someone. I also want to say this. If you don't know Jesus' perfect love, if you do not find joy in Christ, honestly, I pray you make that decision. And if today's that day, then great. <laughs> That's awesome. Weston said, hey, Nathan, I want you to stand up here and I want you to pray for people in case anyone... I said, all right, I love praying. It's my favorite thing to do. So come up. We'll, we'll pray. But if you don't know Jesus, man, know him. Because again, suffering is there and we don't know what tomorrow holds. The next challenge I want to face y'all with is, is this. If you all are struggling in this room, suffering in some, some way, whether it be going through a divorce, whether it be uh, you can't have children, um, whether it be uh, an illness, I don't, I don't know what it is that you all are going through or suffering with or whatever that may be, pray. Pray for each other. If this is a chance where you need prayer for the things that you're suffering with, then come pray. I went to a conference recently, and the thing that hit me probably the hardest out of the whole conference that I was at is this guy said, if, if you are uncomfortable with praying in the church, then your church isn't praying enough. So we need to pray more. So if you have something going on in your life and you're struggling, you're suffering with something, let's pray about that too. You don't have to come up and pray about that. I ask that you ask someone around you to pray with you. It's super simple. That's the great thing about God is He didn't make it hard. He made it really easy to be in, in His presence. So again, uh, suffering. Be courageous for the future, but have peace in the present. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank You so much for this day. I thank You for each person in this place. God, I pray that whoever doesn't know you or doesn't have a relationship with you, that they get to know you and they start having a relationship with you. Because God, our, our lives are short and, and people are hurting and, and honestly, they need to feel the love of Christ in their life. And so God, I'm asking that you fill us completely with your spirit so we can express the love of Christ to each person that we encounter. God, if there are people in here suffering or going through some hard trials of some sort, allow that not to sit here, but allow us as a church family to pray for one another, to lift each other up, and to be there for one another. God, I, again, I am so thankful for a place that is willing to love you to the best of their ability. So God, again, I'm so thankful for who you are and how you're challenging us. We love you, and we say that in your name. Amen.